Good morning, saints. Joint heirs with Christ. What a great concept. Wow. That's you and me. I don't know about you, but that ought to make us excited, I think. So I just got to tell you that this is kind of ringing, isn't it? A little? Okay, we're good. Um, just got to tell you, I've, I've, had, I've struggled with writing last week's and this week's sermon in part because what I'm trying to do is introduce us to the person of the Holy Spirit. We have this sermon series coming up, you all know, in October, and we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to introduce that, so I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit at the beginning and introduce that idea. So I've been trying to stay away from the gifts in these sermons. And I've found that extremely difficult because that's how the Holy Spirit often manifests himself. So I've just really struggled... And honestly, as I'm saying this here, this is probably more for my benefit because you won't even notice, right? But um, it's just one of those things that, that I feel like it's been a, a hard thing for me to do to try to divorce those two things, and I, I can't fully. So you'll see as we go through, I am going to at least mention some of those things. So let's pray. Lord, as we, as we look at your word, we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to speak into us. Uh, push, push my words and ideas aside and instead implant your thoughts, your heart, into us that we might see you more clearly and walk more closely with you the way that you want us to. May it be so. Amen. Amen. So just a quick recap for those that weren't here or even if you were here just to remember so we've got a foundation to start with. Last week we talked about um, how having Holy Spirit is better than having Jesus physically with you. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's actually better for us to have the Holy Spirit here now. We, uh, Jesus couldn't in his, in his physical form be in us. He couldn't even be with all of us all the time, all, all at the same time. Yeah, that couldn't happen. So it's actually better for us to have the Holy Spirit. We also talked about how Jesus did things the same way that you and I have the opportunity to do them. And that's by the power of the Spirit. He laid aside his divinity and in part became an example for us. Now, I know that's not the main reason that Jesus came. It's not even the primary reason that Jesus came. But it is part of the reason that Jesus came, that he came to be an example for us. And so he's showing us this is what it looks like to, to have Holy Spirit working through you. This is what it can look like for you as you're interacting with him and extending his kingdom into the world. And so that's part of what, what Jesus did is he gave us that example. Uh, we also talked last week about the fact that, that being filled with the Spirit is apparently not a, a one-time-forever thing. That it's not a... a, a we, several examples that I gave you from Scripture that it's not a permanent, ongoing, uh, forever thing. We... I said we have a tendency to leak. Uh, we, we forget some of this stuff. And so we, we need to be constantly renewed, constantly uh, and consistently filled again and again. And then finally, we looked at the idea that if we really want Holy Spirit in our lives, we have to be serious about wanting Him. We need to be thirsty. We need to desire Him. We need to, to seek Him, to ask for Him, to, to keep asking over and over. So all of that is kind of a foundation for uh, where we're going to start this week. And you know, we've, we've said repeatedly that our emphasis for this year is on knowing who we are in Christ and exercising the gifts of the Spirit. And I have said a few times in the past that I think those things intersect in a big way. 
And so I want to start with that idea, show you something from Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Romans 8, 16, it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit of Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That word that's translated there as bears witness literally means to bear witness with or in support of another, to provide credible supporting evidence to one's case by giving testimony or by testifying, to show to be true, give evidence in support of. So, so that verse is telling us that Holy Spirit is, is giving us evidence that we are children of God. That's part of what he does. And it's in the, 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 the present tense, which means that, that Holy Spirit is doing that over and over and over. He's consistently reminding us that we are children of God, that we're, that we're the, the, the offspring of the Father, if you will. I quoted a few times last week from the, the book More by Alan Craft. Alan Craft said this, The Spirit continually whispers to our spirit that we are God's children. We need that continual whisper because often our default response to life is performance, perfection, protection, hiding, giving up, etc. And I think he's right. You know, I think the, uh, the title of my latest book, Your Identity Has Been Stolen, is pretty appropriate here because we have a tendency to forget who we are in Christ. But when we remember, and that's what he's doing, he's reminding us when we remember who we are, it changes our perspective. Think about it. Are you more likely to step out into the gifts of the Spirit when you recognize, I'm a child of God. He is inside of me. He wants me to exercise these gifts. I mean, doesn't that automatically make you more willing to step out into those things? We've been talking about, think about it, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit, Spirit, okay? So do you think that, do you think that Holy Spirit wants to be stingy with his gifts? Like, Like he just wants to keep them for himself? No, he wants us to use those things. That's why he's giving them to us. He wants to give those gifts to his people so that we can use them and and in using them to extend his kingdom more and more into the world. And that's why it's so important for us to know who we are in Christ. We're his children, we're sons and daughters, we're his heirs. And so we are eligible for those gifts. They're they're part of our, our rightful inheritance, if you will. They're ours. And that's why Holy Spirit keeps whispering to us, you're a child of God. You, are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? Okay. I, I can't tell you how many times in my life I have been in a situation where I have just felt overwhelmed, like this is, this is way beyond my ability, and I've heard Holy Spirit whisper into me, I'm with you, I'm in you, you've got this. I don't know about you, but that's a game changer. All of a sudden, at that point, all things really are possible. Are, are you following what I'm saying here? And that's what he's doing for you and me continually. You're a child of God. Your father is the creator of everything. You're not not some has-been. You're a joint heir with Christ that we read this morning. You're not that, that sinful habit that you see in your life. No, you're a new creation in Christ. You're his child. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's what he does over and over and over. He keeps reminding us of that fact. 
All right, so keep that in mind as we move forward. And I want us to take a look at, at, at Peter's words in Acts 2. This is uh, just after the disciples received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, beginning in verse 15. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now before I comment on this, these verses, I want to say something here. Uh, I would venture to say that there are some here this morning who have thought, maybe you still think, that the gifts of the Spirit are for other people, that they're not for you. And this verse totally denies that fact. Because this is talking about all-inclusive here, guys. Sons and daughters, male and female servants, all are going to prophesy. Young and old, visions and dreams. This is not for a select few people. This is everyone. Holy Spirit wants to speak through you, not just a few people. It's not reserved for some elite group. No. And I want you to understand you know, maybe you've been scared off because you've seen somebody who is walking strongly in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know what? The fact is that somebody utilizing, walking, exercising the gifts of the Spirit, that that is no indication of their maturity in the Lord. It's not. I've seen people who could prophesy whose lives were a total sham. And they were saying things that God had put in their hearts. I'm, this is not an excuse not to grow up, all right? I, hear me. But what I'm saying is these gifts are for everybody. I don't care how young or old you are. This scripture is telling us it's for all of us. Jesus in John 14 he said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The helper, I love that title for Holy Spirit. The helper. Anybody here besides me need a lot of help? The helper. And just me, thank you. And, and apparently one of his primary roles is to, to remind us of, of what Jesus taught, what Jesus said, what Jesus did, so that we'll remember that. We'll bring it back to our remembrance. It was, uh, it's been 16 years ago now since 13-year-old uh, Natalie Gilbert won a contest. The contest was to be able to sing the national anthem at an NBA playoff game. She was pretty excited, 13 years old. So she goes that day to sing the national anthem and she's up there in front of almost 20,000 people there in the stands and um, probably hundreds of thousands more on television. She starts singing, and she forgets the words. She freezes up, and she's petrified. And the coach of the Portland Trailblazers came over, put his arm around 13-year-old Natalie Gilbert, and helped her to sing Remember the Words and finish that song. See, that's what Holy Spirit does for you and me. When we don't remember, when we need to know what we're supposed to be doing, he's right there. He's our helper. He reminds us. Why is that? So that we can do those same things that Jesus did. 
reminds us of what Jesus did. John 16, verses 13 and 15. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you want to know what's on God's heart? Do you want to, you want to follow him more, more closely? Holy Spirit has what you need. So a close fellowship with him obviously is going to be the thing that's going to make that work in your life, if you will. It's essential. But here's the deal. If we don't expect, kind of going back to Warren's word this morning, if we don't expect that the Spirit is speaking to us, we will be less likely to hear his voice. So it's not uncommon to, for us to have low expectations because of past experience. If you have the perception that God isn't speaking to you, then that perception becomes reality. But what if our perception is wrong? Anybody here ever had wrong perception in any, any area of life, any situation? I mean, think back to when you were in school. Did you ever take a test and think, I did really well, and then found out later you bombed it? Or maybe the other way around, thought you, thought you did really badly and found out you actually did pretty well? See, our perception can be wrong. So what if our perception about hearing the Holy Spirit is wrong? What if we really are hearing his voice and not realizing it fully? What if we simply become accustomed to that voice and don't notice it? Do, do you remember the, remember the last um, cicada infestation that we had, the loud you know, nonstop? We had some friends come and visit during that time, and just, you know, we're outside, just out of the blue. They said, how do you stand that? And I didn't even, you know, like, stand what? Because I had become so used to it, it didn't even phase me anymore, Right? And I think we can do that same thing with the voice of the Spirit. You know, I've said in the past that I think oftentimes the voice of the Spirit can be disarmingly natural. You know, you read the, you read the writings of Paul in the New Testament. Guess what? They sound like Paul. If you read the writings of Peter, they don't sound like Paul. They actually sound like Peter, oddly enough. But both of them are inspired by Holy Spirit. See, I think sometimes when we hear the voice of the Spirit in our own life, it might sound like us, which is a little disconcerting at times, I think. But that doesn't mean that it's not the Holy Spirit. And it would be easy for us to ignore that voice, but I think maybe we need to pray into it. Holy Spirit, is this you? Is this, am I hearing this correctly? Test that voice. Compare it with Scripture. Compare it with what you know is true about God. Anybody here ever gotten one of those um, scam recorded phone calls supposedly from the IRS saying that your, your, your account is past due and if you don't get it taken care of, they're going to send local law enforcement agents to, uh, to either arrest you or issue a warrant for your arrest. And um, so you need to call this number now. Well, you know what? Those, those, those calls only work if people don't know the truth. 
See, the fact is that the IRS will never just, they will never robocall you, all right? They're never going to have a, a recording call you. They won't even call you until they've sent you something in the mail. And they won't send local uh, law enforcement agents because they have their own agents. So those calls only work if people don't know the truth. I think you and I need to be so steeped in the truth of God that we can't be persuaded outside of that. Are you following me? We need to understand him and what he's all about. Now, we do at the same time need to be in the constant mode of communication, I guess, with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what should I do here? How should I respond to this situation? You know, that kind of thing. And keep in mind that everything that pops into your mind is not going to be from the Holy Spirit. Hope that's, I hope that's a given, okay? But at the same time, if we're intentionally positioning ourselves more and more to hear his voice, if we're asking to hear his voice, if we, if we ask for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give us a rock. You with me? We ask for a fish, he's not going to give us a snake. If we ask to hear his voice, we're going to be hearing his voice more and more. I mean, that's, just, that's just scripture. And I, I do take heart in the fact that hearing his voice is not an exact science. I, my analytical mind wants it to be an exact science. I'd really like it to be an exact science, but it isn't. Uh, I, one of my favorite passages in this regard is in the book of Acts that was part of the letter that was sent from the Council of Jerusalem to the Gentile believers. And it says, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I love that phrasing. It doesn't say the Spirit said. It says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They were doing their very best to discern what the Spirit was saying. Somebody said about this verse that it's more about a relationship than a revelation. We, we, we know the Spirit well, and this seems to be what he's saying in this particular situation. Are you with me? It's not an exact science. You know, I, can, I can look at my wife and I can see things in her, her eyes that nobody else can see. But it's because of our relationship. We've been hanging around together for a really, really long time. Most of the, and by the way, for, here, a little... Stop, hold that thought. For those of you that were at our 40th last year, we are hopefully taking our balloon ride this afternoon. So finally, a year later, finally, yeah. Um, but but I, I know how, you know, what's going on inside of there just by looking, but that's because of relationship. And I think our relationship with the Holy Spirit should be the same way, not that we look into his eyes necessarily, but outside of uh, oral communication, we can still understand his heart. Are you with me? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I love being a part of the ch church like this that takes time to wait on the Spirit. And, and it's not always comfortable. It's like, what do we do now? Because we don't always know because it's not an exact science. And yet we're open to, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? I love that. Th think about... Uh, Philip encountering the Ethiopian eunuch in the, in the book of Acts. It says, the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this, his, oh, this chariot. Go over and join this chariot. 
He didn't get a a play-by-play of everything that was supposed to happen. All he heard was, go over and join this chariot. Sometimes we get a lot of information. Other times, not so much. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Connie, you step out and give words to people. Sometimes you hear everything ahead of time, and other times it's like a little snippet, and you're going, God. And most of you know that a few months back, I started a new initiative here in Jefferson County, Jeffco Christians United, trying to bring pastors, Christian pastors together, and churches ultimately to work together. And that came out of really praying for the Hillsborough Alliance of Christian Churches, and I heard the words, your vision is too small. That's the only words I heard, your vision is too small. But I knew immediately what that meant. It was like the Spirit kind of downloaded a whole bunch of other stuff beyond just the words. Sometimes that happens. Not always, but sometimes. And maybe that's what happened with, the, with Philip and the, the Ethiopian there. Maybe all of a sudden, you know, out, outside of just go over and join yourself to this chariot, maybe there was other, other stuff there that he knew. We don't know for sure. But I do know there's sometimes where he just gives us a little bit of information and we need to take that next step. I... I'll be honest, I'm not crazy about those times. But it helps us to learn to trust him, to step out in faith. Will you trust me? Now, I also want us to recognize that we can can miss the voice of Holy Spirit because we expect something different. Our culture is loud. Lots and lots of volume. You know, loud music, Car horns honking and tires squealing, somebody yelling at somebody else, crowds cheering or booing, uh, you know, protesters with a bullhorn. You know, our culture is loud. And because of that, that cultural experience, then we can think that the voice of Holy Spirit should be loud. And that's generally not the case. You know, I think back to the passage you all know from 1 Kings about the story of Elijah. Elijah says, behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind toward the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. You know, I think it's far too easy for us to ignore or miss a low whisper. But Think about this, and this is really important. What do you do when somebody whispers? You you lean in. You get quiet. You position yourself to hear them better. And I think that's what we need to do with Holy Spirit. Brennan Manning said that the the best way to hear the Spirit's voice is to show up and shut up. (laughs) I like that. Is it possible that you and I spend way too much time yakking at God and not enough time listening to Him? If He's the one that's going to lead us into all truth like Jesus promised, I think maybe we'd better be paying attention when He's communicating that truth to us. There's a a relatively new technology that I heard about recently. It's called hypersonic sound, HSS. The guy that invented it Um, has actually somehow, do you know about this? 
has actually somehow taken sound waves and made, you, you know about this, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> taken sound waves and, and made it into a, like a, uh, a laser beam. So I can be standing here, that thing is pointed at me, and I can hear whatever, you know, music or whatever it is that I'm supposed to be hearing, and people standing right next to me don't hear it at all. I mean, it's actually pretty fascinating technology. Um, I think the, the ramifications are pretty amazing. But I think that God's communication with us can be similar to that technology, those sound waves like that. We need to be in the right place in order to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking geographically. You know, Holy Spirit can speak to you when you're riding in your car or taking a shower or eating your breakfast, whatever, all right? The, 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 the geographic location is not all that important. What is important is that we intentionally position ourselves to hear his voice, to be listening, to be on the receiving end. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. Otherwise, what we're doing is we are stepping outside of that path of those waves. Are you with me? And we can miss it. And, and we might, you know, we might inadvertently walk across that path and all of a sudden hear something, but better would be that we intentionally position ourselves to be hearing what he's saying, taking the time to say, Holy Spirit, what's on your heart? What should I do in this situation? How do I respond here? Now, before I finish I think I would be missing it if I didn't give you a few cautions that are very clear from my perspective, very clear in Scripture. And so I want to give you three cautions. First, it's possible to quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. It's one of the short, shortest verses in the Bible, but I think it's a really important one. And quench can be a, a good thing. You know, if you quench your thirst, that's a good thing. This is a negative use of that word here. Um, it has the connotation of putting out a fire. Don't put out the Holy Spirit's fire. Don't stop him from working in you. Don't hinder his work in and through you. So obviously, if it's telling us not to do that, then we have the ability to do that. We can quench the Spirit. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? I'll be honest. As I started pondering that thought right there, this could be an entire sermon all by itself. I think we have a tendency to quench the Spirit in a lot of different ways. But... Um, just for the sake of brevity, let me just tell you one thing. Um, and it actually harkens back to something that I said last week. When, when Jesus told his disciples they needed to wait for the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, uh, I said last week, I really think the disciples were, were in, if I'm there, I'm going, wait, hold on a minute. You've prepared us, we're ready to go, wait. That seems crazy. And yet what he was doing is he was showing them right from the get-go that they needed to be dependent upon Holy Spirit to not run out on their own and do their own thing. Think about it. When we rely on our own abilities, what are we doing? We're quenching the Spirit. When we say, Holy Spirit, I don't need you right now. I got this one. All right, we'd never say that directly, guys, but we've done it. Come on. What are we doing? We're quenching the Spirit at that point. I mentioned last time that I had read that we occasionally ask for the Spirit's help, but we're just not dependent on Him the way that we need to be. It, Holy Spirit 
can accomplish far more in one moment than you and I can together without his help over our entire lifetimes. And so that's why we need to be dependent on him. So don't quench the spirit. Keep putting yourself in that position to hear from him and follow him. Second caution, it's also possible to resist the Holy Spirit. If you remember toward the end of Stephen's monologue in the book of Acts, just before he gets stoned, he says, you stiff-necked, I wonder why I got stoned, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. They were resisting the Holy Spirit, just like those that had come before them. They, they were content to, to kind of stay where they were at. They didn't want to hear God telling them to, to change anything. They were resisting the Holy Spirit. So let me make this personal. Have you ever heard his voice and ignored it? Have you ever pushed back against something that he was saying? Have you ever ignored those inner promptings? Okay, now that I got us all. We can resist Holy Spirit. We can. So we need to ask him to, to soften our hearts toward him, toward his voice, that we're listening, intentionally listening, that we would be more and more willing to, to, to relinquish our control to him, to trust him. And the third caution is that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. Section of Isaiah 63 that's, I think, really fascinating to me, starting in verse 7. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassions, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and he carried them all the days of old. This is a God who clearly cares for his people. Listen to those words, steadfast love, great goodness to the house of Israel. According to his compassion, surely they are my people. He became their savior. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them. My goodness, what compassion, what love. God is showing this people right here but read the next verse. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. They grieved the Holy Spirit. They were rebellious against what Holy Spirit wanted them to do, and he was grieved. Now, it might be easy for us to think, well, how could God be grieved? That seems odd to our way of thinking. But if you, look at the, if you look at the emotional language in those verses before that that we just read, how much he cared for them, that, that their affliction became his affliction. When you understand that, that, that they then shoved him aside, that God himself was by those people, was rejected, was snubbed, was jilted, if you will. No wonder he grieves. See, if God didn't really love you, and if you snubbed him, turned away from him, wouldn't make any difference to him if he didn't really love you. If you think about it this way, if you were on a trip 
let's say you went to, I don't know, Kansas City or something, and you're there and just out in a public place and somebody that you've never seen before, probably are never gonna see again for the rest of your life, comes up to you and says, I don't really like you, and walks away. Do you care? All right, there's probably a few really compassionate people here going, I wouldn't like that. But you're not gonna lose any sleep over it, right? It's not that big of a deal. But if, if somebody that you really, really care about, if you're one of your kids, your, your spouse, your best friend, whoever comes up to you and says, I don't really like you, whoa, that's a big deal. Are you with me? See, I think that's the kind of thing that we're seeing here. Now, anybody that's ever gone through a breaking of a relationship gets exactly what I'm saying. If you've ever been, you know, had a, a child that intentionally turned away from family, if you've ever had a, a spouse leave, you get the grieving part, and that's what's going on here. God's saying, I love you, and we're turning our back. No wonder he's grieved. He's extending his love to us over and over, like we read earlier in Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He's continually reminding us that we're his children, we're his offspring, we're his heirs. And if we turn aside, ignore that, we're going to grieve him. Instead, we should be accepting it, walking in that, that amazing love, reveling in it, thanking him for it. And don't misunderstand, I'm not suggesting that if you're not reveling in his love, that he's going to turn his back on you and hate you. No, he's still going to love you. But it's, it, this whole thing reminds me of Ephesians 5.10, where it says that we should try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. The obvious implication there is that, that we should, should do the things that are pleasing to the Lord to not grieve the Holy Spirit. But when we willfully turn our back, he still loves us. Now think about it like this. Suppose the, uh, you just imagine for a moment the idea of, of God's love being like the rays of the sun. And I put on black opaque glasses. It's going to block out those rays. They're still there. The sun's still shining. His love is still extended toward me. Are you with me? But I have willfully chosen to do something that makes it so I can't see that love. And in doing that, I've grieved the Holy Spirit. He doesn't stop loving me, but it does break his heart, if you will. All right, let me leave you with one final thought. In John, the book of John, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as being like the wind. You can't control him, can't put him in a, in a box. You, you can't cognitively figure him out. But instead, what we need to do is to set our sail so that when that wind is blowing... We, should, we can catch that wind of the Spirit. You following me? That we intentionally position ourselves to listen to Him, to long for Him, to desire Him, to ask for Him over and over. I said earlier that we occasionally ask for the Holy Spirit's help, but we're not dependent on Him the way that we should be. But we need to be. We want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I'll, let me say this, we need to want Him more. Not just the gifts, 
If you remember not long ago, I said that pursuing the act is not as meaningful as pursuing the person. We're not so much desirous of seeing his actions as we are in seeing him and knowing him. But here's the deal. When we know him, when we're in relationship with him, we're going to see the acts. We're going to see the gifts happen. You following me? Let's pray. Lord, today, we've heard your word and we've been convicted by your word. Lord, we ask that you would take this truth and cause it to go deeply inside of us. Lord, we, we repent of times that we have quenched the Holy Spirit and we have quenched hearing your voice. And we repent of times that we've resisted and even grieved you. Holy Spirit, would you come and renew us, draw us back to you more and more, reorient us toward you that our hearts and minds might be ready for your move, that our sails might be open to you and the things that you want to do, trusting you completely and totally. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Amen.